Welcome to the Christ Life Ministries podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Olubi Johnson. For more information about this podcast and our other resources, please visit spcconline.org. God bless you. Today I have a present truth instructional message and it is entitled Godliness, Contentment, and Gain. Godliness, Contentment, and Gain. I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 5 through uh, 8. <coughs> Excuse me. It says, perverse, read together with me. Always speak God's word. It does something to you. And I don't want to hear only the pastors. I want to hear everybody. So we go together. Say, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Everyone say gain. And great gain. Say gain and great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Let me let me let me go to verses nine and ten. It's not in my text, but looking at it now, say, but they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money, the love of money, not money, the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Everybody say godliness contentment, and gain. What is godliness? Godliness is godlikeness. You know, most people religiously, traditionally, we think of godliness as somebody who's just morally upright. So that man is a godly man. And it's not wrong. It's just that it's very incomplete. It's not just being morally upright. Godliness is being like God. In three areas. Number one, the wisdom of God. What makes God different from every other being is his infinite wisdom with which he made the heavens and the earth. The second aspect of godliness is his character, which is his love, which now includes moral uprightness. And, you know, uh, love is even bigger than being morally upright. You know, love is, you know, using the wisdom of God and the compassion of God and the a power of God from the life of God to do what God would do in every situation. Then the third aspect is the power of God, having the supernatural ability of God, not just in miracles and, and, and healing and all of that, which is very important and is a part of it, but in skill, in intelligence, in ability. That's what it means to be godly. And one of the reasons why Christianity 
has not been as attractive as it should be to a lot of people in the world is because we do not portray the full spectrum of godliness. We, we usually just harp only on the moral aspect. I don't steal, I don't kill, I don't destroy, I, I don't commit adultery, like the rich young ruler told Jesus. You know, he said, and he was right. The man was not lying, you know, but he wasn't a Christian. You know, you have a lot of good unbelievers who are morally upright because of honesty of heart. God's mercy comes upon them from the air and enables them to uh, keep these moral laws to a very appreciable degree. That rich young ruler told God it was Barnabas. Church history tells us it was Barnabas. He said, you know, he said, what will I do to get eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. He said, which ones? He said, you know, don't commit adultery, honor your father and your mother, don't steal, don't kill, don't murder. And the man replied and said, all these things I've done since I was young. And he wasn't lying. Jesus looked at him and said, Jesus looking at him loved him. And Jesus said, okay, if you want to be perfect, you know what we're going to do? You go and sell everything you got. Give it to the poor. Take up your cross and follow me. The Bible says he went away sad because he had great possessions. And God was, Jesus was actually offering him a place in the apostleship. He would have been the natural replacement for Judas. Look at what that guy blew because he didn't understand, you know. So Christianity, godliness is more than just being morally upright. It includes it, but it's much more than that. It includes having the wisdom of God, what we call the ability of the mind of Christ, having the character, this is very important, of God, you know, which is love in all of its ramifications, you know, as uh, 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 described beautifully by the fruit of the Spirit. Love is the main thing. All those things are just components of love, just like you have white light, then the components of white light are red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. In the same way, the love of God has characteristics. Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, self-control, and patience. These are things people should see in all of us as Christians. And this is what makes Christianity attractive. And when they don't see it, it makes Christianity unattractive. It makes it look dull. The other aspect is the ability of God, which is also the supernatural power to heal, to deliver, to cleanse lepers, to raise the dead. That will be very attractive, you know. And then on top of that, you know, super intelligence, the ability of the mind of Christ, ability, skill, you know, language learning ability, photographic memory, artistic ability, musical ability, mathematical. This will make Christianity extremely attractive. And that's what's going to happen in this end time. Before we're through with all this, you know, there are going to be a, a, a significant number of Christians. And my estimate will be under maybe 700 million, something like that. You know, it was not now, but it's going to happen. You know, I gave you the timeline during the uh, New Year message, you know, that about, again, these are prophetic shadows, you know, about 2025, we should see the glory of God because that's the third day from the maturity of Christ when Jesus himself began to manifest his glory, turning water to wine. Then from there, you know, we have about seven years of building the temple and uh, overcoming the universal persecution, you know. And as that happens, we're going to see greater, greater proportions of the glory of God. 
And by the time we're in the 2030s, by the grace of God, 32, 33 and onwards, we, all some of these things we're saying will be in manifestation. And Christianity, you will see, then will come to pass that which is written by the prophet in the book of Isaiah, where it says, behold darkness, that's what we have now, gross darkness come of the world. It says, but the Lord will rise upon thee. His glory will be seen on thee, you know. And it says, because it's attractive, it says Gentile. The nations will come to the brightness of your rising. Kings, you know, we haven't, we haven't seen that yet in any appreciable degree. This is in front of us. But it's going to come by the full spectrum of godliness. Not just the moral, the small moral part of godliness. And so this is what Paul <coughs> says is of great uh, um, uh, gain. He says, godliness. And if you're truly godly, one thing you will have is contentment. What does contentment mean? It means an inner peace and satisfaction with whatever you have physically at your present level of spiritual development without being greedy and covetous for more, knowing that it will come. As you grow spiritually. That's what contentment is. In our language in Yoruba, they say, That means, you know, you're content. You're not in competition with anybody. Because whatever they have is God who gave them. And when your own time comes, God will give you. So you're happy for everybody. You don't have any envy and, 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 and competition. And all the things that, you know, uh, cause all kinds of problems in the world. You know, it says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. I'm going to get to great gain in a minute. I, I, I want to emphasize this issue of contentment. The more godly you are, the more content you will be. Because uh, uh, contentment is an inner peace that comes from the fruit of the Spirit. The, all that peace and joy and, and long suffering is contentment. See, when a person is not content, they have, they, are not, they have not developed the fruit of the Spirit to a great degree. It's the development of godliness, this godlikeness, you know, exemplified by the fruit of the Spirit that brings about this inner contentment. Then he tells us in verse 8 what makes us content. Having food and raiment, let us there be content. See, God is so wise and he is so good <coughs> that he gives you the basics. Food, if you don't have food, you will die of starvation. Raiment, if you don't have good clothing, you will die from the cold and, you know, the intense heat of the elements. God knows that. That's why Jesus himself said this when he was teaching about some of these things. He said, your father knows you have need of these things. What you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, God knows that. And what I discovered in my Christian life, my personal experience, and I know this is true universally, you know, uh, you know, for everybody, it is this. When you become a Christian and you understand and you start walking with God, you will find something. God will always provide food and raiment. He may not provide all the excess, you know, and all of the other things, you know, but you will always have food and raiment. And if you have that inner godliness, you'll be content with it. I want to be very particular. 
about my own personal experience. You know, I, I give these, God has been asking me recently to share more and more of these things because they help people to relate in reality to these things. You know, when I, when I came back to Nigeria, you know, when I left in prayer call after God told me to come, you know, and to give all of that up uh, 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 for a while, you know, I shared this last week, you know, I knew if I had stayed, I just wouldn't have had the time. God said, I want to teach you my word. I want you, he told me in that first year as a Christian, you're going to be a teacher of the word, you know. Even, he even brought a prophet from Scotland to confirm that word to me, you know. <clears throat> so, I knew if I stayed, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't have had the time. So, I came and I obeyed him. You know, I first of all went to Cross River State where I gotten born again. I got a job. I was there for three months, you know, from September, October until December. Then he now told me I should go and work with Brother Emiko. So I did. You know, that was sometime January, you know, February of uh, 1981. And I remember when I was about to leave England, the devil told me, he said, hey, you will see, you are going to suffer. You, you will not, you won't have food. <laughs> you know, if I, I remember my dad of blessed memory, you know, my daddy is a person who has a great sense of humor. He, he, was, he, was, he was angry with me. He wasn't very angry. He wasn't happy with me because I left. But, you know, he said, well, if that's what you want to do, he said, but do it properly. He said, you, you know, that time, Oral Roberts was on television. So he said, we'd be like Oral Roberts. Okay, go to America. Go to Oral Roberts University. So I will pay. So you do it properly. He said, I don't want you to come to the streets of Lagos and then you'll be ringing bell like Aladura <laughs> for people to come because you are hungry. I'm a lago, no, I laughed. My daddy too, we laughed. I said, no, 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 no. It won't be anything like that. But that fear was there. That it was at the back of my mind. What if I don't? And I can tell you to the glory of God by personal experience, not once in all of these 40-something years have I lacked food and raiment. Never. Never. Now, I didn't have all the things I have today, some of the things I have today. You know, I remember when I first came back, you know, I was teaching that school, and I came back with Brother Miko, I'll give you the testimony, you know, and we wouldn't have, you know, we, we, we didn't have furniture in the house. We had only one bed, you know. We didn't have curtains at first and all of that. All those things didn't bother us. But one thing we always had was food and raiment. And that gave inner contentment. So I concentrated on what I came to do. Pray and study the word. And God sent uh, Kenneth Copeland. He sent us all his books and tapes, you know, free. Well, for Brother Emiko, we're supposed to sell it in Nigeria and send it. You know, that became my Bible school, you know. And every evening, I would just pray, read my Bible, study my Bible. Then I would listen to Kenneth Copeland. I would listen to Kenneth Hagen. I would listen to the, I had the Bible on tape. You know, that's what God is talking about. If you have contentment with godliness, that's, go, I'm going to lead to great gain in a minute. It's going to give you really great gain ultimately. But if you don't have that godliness, you won't be content with food and raiment. You see, most people are not content with food and raiment. That is the reason for covetousness. Then competition. You know, oh, this guy has a car, I don't have. Uh, this guy has this, I don't have. This person has that, I don't have. God didn't, initially, 
God says, the, what you need to worry is food and raiment. I'll take care of that. He said, then, I'm, I'm adding this now, uh, which is our theme for this year, the prosperity of the soul. As your soul prospers, then the level of prosperity too will begin to grow up, will increase, and your healing and health. But that's a gradual process. But at the baseline, everybody has, would have food and raiment. And I also added something here in my notes as I was, uh, as I was being led by the Spirit. You know, this experience is becoming so more, it's been there over the years, but it's becoming so much more tangible to me. Like David said, said by the, by, he wrote the plans of the temple by the hand of the Holy Spirit that was upon him. He said, let my tongue be like the pen of a ready writer. As I'm writing, inspiration is coming. And that's why I write, you know, I have this new electronic uh, notebook because all my things now are automatically saved in the cloud. It's not like before when I had paper, you know, and it could get lost. Now I can't get lost. Everything is in. And here I wrote, I said, having food raiment and a quiet and peaceable life. I added that by the Spirit. See, if you are, uh, let me read the whole thing. De so you are not distracted from prayer and the word. If you don't have food, if you don't have raiment, and you do not have a quiet and full life, it will be a distraction. Look at what happened last Tuesday. For example, thank God it was localized, you know, and it wasn't that there were some terrorists who were running around Ibadan. And they were just throwing those bombs everywhere. And they came here to Songo and threw one. And they went to Ring Road and threw another. We could stay in church. God forbid. If that had happened, it would have been a distraction. That's the reason why we pray for the nation. That we may lead a quiet. When you heard the sound of that bomb on Tuesday, you now understand what it means by quiet. <laughs> that bomb was not quiet at all. And peaceable life. In all godliness and honesty. That's that word godliness again. That's our word godliness again. See, when you, are, when you have food, raiment, peace, and quiet, then you can seek God and walk with God, you know, without distraction. And that is very, very important. So God wants us to uh, have godliness with inner contentment by the fruit of the Spirit and thereby have a peaceable life so that we will be able to concentrate on what really matters prayer and the word. Again, as I was writing this, this scripture came to me. I didn't write it down, but it came to me as I was writing. The Bible says, let us give ourselves continually unto prayer and the ministry of the word. You are not going to grow spiritually as you should if you do not give attention to those two things, prayer and the word. It's not just for pastors. Anybody who is planning to grow spiritually when Pastor Laulu was uh, talking today and talking about the church, you know, from Ephesians chapter 4, said, till we all come into the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Let me break that down in this context. You see, we all have unity of the faith already. If you're born again, all of us have the same faith in Jesus. That's, that's what the Bible means by unity of the faith. But there's a second unity there. It's the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. So the, that you, if you, you know, my wife is an English expert. She's in English. See, the unity there is not just for the faith. Watch it. This is just um, Form 3 English. Till we all come to the unity, one, of the faith and 
of the knowledge. So the unity applies not only to the faith, but to the knowledge of the Son of God. There is a knowledge of the Son of God that will bring you, if you act on it, to an experience of a perfect man of the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That the Greek word is the word epignosis. It means precise, complete, perfect knowledge. Now, that is what you should be looking for in your Christian life. That knowledge, that uh, epignosis, the revelation of it, firstly. Then secondly, the experience of it. So if you don't give time to prayer and the word, you will not come to that knowledge. You will be born again, you have the faith, you go to heaven, but you will not be able to enter into the fullness of your prophetic destiny. I was speaking about this on Wednesday when I was talking about, you know, the keys of the kingdom and, 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 and some of these things. You know, uh, God doesn't just want us to be born again. He said that we be no more children. Yes, you're born again. How many people here would like their children to stay the way they were when they were five years old? After 20 years. Same mental capacity. Now, along with that, that's a child that will give you grief. No. He said that we be no more children. Tossed to and fro. With every wind of doctrine. Slide of, by slide of men conquer whether, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, which is, which is Christ. That's the purpose. This is not just for pastors. It's for everybody. God wants to. But if, you're, if you don't have food and raiment, and you don't have contentment, and you, have, and you don't have a quiet and peaceable life, this will be very difficult. You can't, you know, because you won't be able to have the time to give in prayer and in the word that will bring you to the revelation knowledge, firstly, of this uh, 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 fullness of Christ. That's, that is, this is the essence of all the Pauline prayers. When you put them all together, the Ephesian 1 prayer, the Colossian 1 prayer, the Philippian 1 prayer, the uh, Thessalonian, 1st Thessalonian prayer, the 2nd Thessalonian prayer, and finally the Ephesian 3 prayer. When you put it all together, and we're talking about it in a minute, you know, you, or, or if you don't, the, the, the essence of those prayers, when God answers those prayers, they will bring you to this knowledge. The knowledge of the, the complete, perfect, precise knowledge of the Son of God that will bring you to the revelation of a perfect man. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to repeat it without any contradiction. The will of God and the purpose of God for every Christian is for us to grow into the perfection and the fullness of Christ in this lifetime. I heard one amen. That's the will of God. That's the perfect will of God for us to grow into the fullness of Christ. I, I like the way the Bible describes it. It doesn't leave any wiggle room for your unbelief and your skepticism. He says the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Right here. Not when we get to heaven. So to, you know, disabuse your mind from any unbelief in First John. He says, as he is, so are we in this world. Not when we get to heaven. 
I didn't hear you, folks. I said, as ye so are we in this world. I didn't hear you. Don't your neighbor say, as he is? So are we in this world, not in heaven. But you see, it's the word and prayer that's going to bring you here. Nothing else will. The gifts of the Spirit won't do it. The gifts of the Spirit that enhance us, they will encourage you to say, ah, it's real, it's real. But they will not bring you to that knowledge. You have to spend quality time in the Word and in prayer. In prayer and in the Word, that's, the correct, that's actually the correct uh, order. It's not the Word and prayer, it's prayer and the Word. Because you see, without prayer, the Word will not open. You will just have head knowledge. It is prayer that will cause revelation knowledge of the, uh, that is in the head, uh, to come to the, uh, to the, to the head. You, you know, I, I, I taught on this last Wednesday. Light comes from the inner man, then it enlightens the understanding in the, in the, in the, in the mind. Then that's revelation knowledge. God has shined in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God. And that word, the Greek word is that epignosis. So it is possible. The first person I ever heard say this was E.W. Kenya. I didn't hear him, but I read it in his book. He's, and he, he wrote this in the 1930s and 1940s. Till now, the church hasn't yet appreciated what E.W. Kenya wrote. His last book is called The Hidden Man of the Heart. There is a chapter in that book. I recommend it for everybody. Go and buy it online. It's about $10. It's not a lot of money. You know? You know, and you can download it <clears throat> onto, your, onto your phone or your computer or your iPad or whatever, you know. And there's a chapter there. You know what it says? It says complete knowledge. I, I, I remember reading this in 1980 in England. I was so excited. He said, there is a perfect, precise, complete knowledge of the Son of God. Then Ken was honest. He said, we believe. He didn't say he knows. He said, we believe this knowledge is inside the Word. And a uh, company of Christians, before this age closes, will come to this knowledge and will demonstrate it for everybody to see. He said, some of us, he was very honest. You see, these are the things that inspired young men like me, you know, at the time. You know, he said, we, we, we've, seen the, we've seen the lame walk. He had miracles in his ministry. We've seen the blind see. We've seen those on the verge of death brought back instantly to uh, life and vigor. He said, but so far, none of us, he was honest, have walked in this fullness. He said, but we have a conviction that before the Lord Jesus returns, there will rise a company of believers that will live the transcendent, victorious resurrection life. Of the, of the Son of God amongst men, and I love the way he put it. He said, and we'll bring this age to a befitting close. The church is not going to be raptured because the devil is about to finish us, and then God is giving us an escape to heaven. That is a wrong mentality. Oh, you know, iniquity is abounding, which it is. You know, but remember what I told you, you know, where iniquity is abounding, grace is much more abounding. You see, it depends on how you look at it. Everything is a question of perspective. You take a bottle of a glass of water, if it's half, the negative person will say it's half empty. The other, the positive person will say it's half full. 
Both of them are right. But one has an empty mentality. The other person has a full mentality. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? You need to be able to get to a place in your Christian life where you have this positive mentality. We're not, we're not, we're not. Satan is not going to chase us out of here. We are going to rule. Rule in the midst of thine enemies. The rod of strength out of Zion. And when we have ruled in every tribe, tongue, and kindred, and made disciples, hallelujah, and we are good and ready, then we say, Lord, let's check out. It's not Satan who is driving us out. It is us who decide we finished our job and we're going. A witness to every tribe, tongue, and kindred. You must have a positive mentality. The average Pentecostal Christian, oh, you know, things are getting so bad. You know, oh, uh, Jesus, come tomorrow. Jesus, come tomorrow. You know, before the devil finishes all of us. God have mercy on us. Now, let me look at gain. It says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment will ultimately, and I use the word ultimately deliberately because it's not something that's immediate when you get born again, will ultimately lead, give you access. I like the way the Holy Spirit helped me put it down here. To creative wealth and great gain. Observe, he was contrasting that. See, some people think that, you know, when I have money, it shows that God, God uh, you know, uh, God approves of me. He says, supposing that gain is godliness. Gain is not godliness. But true godliness with contentment will bring what he calls great gain. Not ordinary gain, no. Great gain. Now, what is this? Look at Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs 8. <clears throat> See, the prosperity we've seen in the church so far, and I mean exactly what I've said, so far, majority of it, if not all of it, has been the prosperity of <clears throat> transfer of wealth. In other words, you know, God blesses people. They bring tithes and offerings to the church. So it is the money they have made that they bring to the church, which is good. It's a starting point. But that's not the, that is not the perfect will of God. And it is that lack of understanding that has caused the church to get into this distorted prosperity message and covetousness. You know, I heard a man of God recently, you know, uh, God had mercy on them. They borrowed 100 million and then they paid it off. And he was being thankful, which is, not a, which is okay. But what is 100 million? It's really nothing. I'm telling you. It's a lot of money. It's money, but it's, you know. So you see, people in the world will be wondering what is he shouting about? And then that's the way, that's the lens with which they will see our God. As, you know, like I was before I became a Christian too. So don't mind all these SUs. We used to call them SU, Scriptural Union back in those days. You know, they, they are only, they, you know, they're just using this as a cop-out because they can't face the real world. 
So they use God as a cloak, you know, to excuse their failure and their inability to compete in the real world, which is sadly not the truth. True Bible prosperity in its ultimate is creation of wealth, not just transfer of wealth. It begins with transfer of wealth. God will give to you. He will tell people to give to you. Now, he expects you now to use what you've been given to invest it. And he will give you creative ideas that will multiply the wealth. That, to the glory of God, to some degree, is what God has used my wife and I to do through life for. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Recently... This last Christmas, all the children were home. You saw them when they came for Christmas. And we're discussing, you know, about all this prosperity message, about these Lagos preachers and how they tell lies. And it was Joshua Luby who actually said this. He said, thank God for mommy and daddy. He said that if they were depending on the money of the church, they could never have sent us to the schools they sent us. Well, how, much, how much are we making in the church? Then I used it to preach to them. I said, you see, that's creative wealth. And at the time we were doing it, we were not thinking about anything, you know. We just, you know, we had a house girl and God wanted us to help her and then help her. We did not know. That is why, by the grace and the mercy of God, we have not changed our message. Honey, the message is still the same. <laughs> because under financial pressure, the message will change. That's what has happened to so many of our people. Because their only source of revenue is what they get from the offerings. And they want to live a high lifestyle like the world. They want to have private jet. They want to have this. They want to have that. They want to have a nice car. They want their children. So what do they do? They put pressure on the people to give. So it is that money that they get from the people that they use. Some of them invest a little bit here and there. you know. But a lot of times they don't have that creative uh, um, um, wisdom from God. You find that if one person starts something, everybody in the church starts it. Have you noticed? Like us, we started school, everybody now has school. <laughs> but did God tell you to do it? Or are you doing it because of competition? Thank you for listening to this podcast. We believe these words have empowered you to live a victorious, transcendent life in Christ. Our mission is to equip God's people for service and build up the body of Christ until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. We encourage you to enjoy and share from thousands of resources, including books, sermons, prophecies and articles available on our website, spcconline.org. Thank you and God bless you.